Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today we're starting a brand new series for Term 2. If you're visiting us or if you're new to our church family, uh, generally speaking, what we do from the pulpit is we have a preaching series every term. Well, this one's basically uh, based on something that Nick Reske shared with us back in March. And so before I introduce that, I want to just basically conceptually introduce something first. I want to start in Ephesians chapter 4, similar to Romans 12 where it talks about various gifts in the church. Ephesians 4 says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, this will continue, by the way, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What a vision. The church becoming like Jesus. There's a goal. There's an ambitious vision. Yeah? Okay, good. Right, fair enough. And when this happens, by the way, we will no longer be infants, the opposite of maturity, Uh, We'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching on Facebook. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. No, instead, maturity is about speaking the truth in love. We will grow up in every way to become more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body the church. In fact, he is the one that makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And that happens as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Ephesians 4.11 uh, to 16, some powerful truths there. It starts by mentioning what some people call fivefold ministry gifts. I believe this passage talks about the sevenfold ministry. I like to be different. Because it starts with Jesus. Jesus gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers so that the saints can do the work of Jesus and look like him. So it's actually Ephesians 4 talks about sevenfold gifts. It begins with Jesus, it ends with y'all and somewhere there in between there's these special gifts that help the church mature and become who we are called to be on the earth. Now these gifts here in Ephesians 4, a bit different to the Romans 12 gifts, the ones we read before about encouraging or teaching and giving. They do hold a different weight. Uh, In theological terms, sometimes we call them officers of ministry. It's basically there's an authority or weight to these people when they speak. Um, I don't know if this has happened to you, but there's certain meetings I've been in where I've heard someone speak and I just know in my gut, this person's an evangelist. Uh, While everyone can share good news, this person just has that weight on their life. I remember sitting down at a lunch once in Sydney, sat down opposite a woman, I didn't know her, I looked her in the eyes and as soon as I looked her in the eyes, I realised I'm looking at a prophet. 
I just got that feeling, you know. <laughs> Turns out it was Catherine Vanala, and now we're we know each other, we've ministered together. There's been moments I've travelled to the Philippines with Alex and I've met people, shook their hand, and as I'm shaking a guy's hand, I'm like, this guy's an apostle. I just felt it in my gut. Five minutes into the conversation, yes, he heads up a network of 30-something churches all around the Philippines. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a gift. There's a sort of a grace gift on somebody's life. And as a local church, we acknowledge the existence of these gifts today. Not every church does. Some traditions believe that uh, apostles and prophets particularly passed away in the first century. As John was writing Revelation, when he wrote Amen at the end, suddenly there was no more apostles. You know, it sort of works like that. Uh, pastors are okay, but apostles, prophets, no, they don't sort of exist anymore. That's some people's tradition. Well, we believe these gifts still do exist, that there's something about until the church really looks like Jesus, there's reason to have these gifts in the church. And part of our government structure as a church. One of our pillars in this church is government. We believe in the way that uh, churches are structured and we see good examples of that in the New Testament. Uh, we don't structure ourselves in connection with an institution or a denomination or a, uh, an institution, I guess, somewhere. We recognise that there are certain people that have these gifts and we acknowledge them by receiving them and responding to their ministry. And even in times like covid uh, 2020, let's let's say, we'll go out of our way to have voices come in, even if it's on camera. Remember Tony Ide and Rob Rufus and uh, Mylene from the Philippines speaking into our church life because we acknowledge as much as we have great ministers here in this church, we don't have it all. And we need outside voices to come in. That's why this year already we've had Dr. Barry Chant come earlier in the year, make a deposit. We had Finney and Izzy two weeks ago with the unique grace and gift that they have. Well, back in March, we had Nick Reske. And when a ministry like that comes in, we don't just go, well, that's a good message. That's a good sermon. It's good to have a break from Chad. Yes, those things are true. But, yes, they are true. But more than that, we acknowledge, no, there's a weight on this gift. And we want to not just say that's a good sermon. I might listen to that in six months' time. No, but actually go, what did they say? What was the weight on that word? And one of the things that stood out to me as Nick was speaking, he said that he described the purpose of the church in three R's. And of course, I remember that. He said the purpose of the church is, number one, to restore, to be a restorative community. Number two, it's to raise up, raise people up, mature people. Like you raise up a kid, you, know, you, you raise up people and see them come to maturity. Thirdly, it's to see people released into who they are and who Christ has called them to be. And he spoke there in that second point about us maturing, about discipleship, about mentoring, about us basically growing up. And he said growing up is not just about doing ministry well, but it's all about doing life well. And that's the phrase that stood out to me, doing life well. We represent Jesus well when we do life well in every aspect and area of Christ. You might have, some, some people have in the past, have a great miracle ministry which represents Jesus well and yet are alcoholics with violence and divorce behind them. There are revivalists in the past who are like that. doesn't represent God well. We do all of life well and doing life well represents Christ well. And so we wanted to take that for term two and do a series called Doing Life Well. And I thought, what better book 
than to focus our attention on in doing life well than the book of Proverbs. Oh, come on. Who guessed Proverbs before? No, okay. I'm going to read the opening passage of the book of Proverbs. Your homework this term is to read Proverbs. Easy. Let's go. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right, just, fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs, parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your neck, a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood and ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will all share in the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, and then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and pay no attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm and disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but nah, I won't answer. They will look for me, but nah, they won't find me. Because they hated knowledge. They did not choose to fear the Lord. And since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. They will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the wayward of the simple will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety, be at ease and be without fear of harm. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, if you turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call aloud for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you search for it as for silver, if you search for it as for treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. 
you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just. He protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. And understanding will guard you. This is the word of the Lord. Four pieces of advice from this opening passage. By the way, we're not going to be spending the next six weeks reading the whole book of Proverbs. It's your job at home. But this prologue, this opening dialogue of a father, King Solomon, and of Lady Wisdom, this personification, this character, wisdom, feminine wisdom. Some people, uh, as we keep reading on, if you keep reading on, this Lady Wisdom says, I was there with God. We created the world together. It's like a mum and dad co-creating. This is how wisdom is personified. And she is this great wise one. That's why it's no mistake that the book of Proverbs finishes with a woman's voice. Okay, it's like lady wisdom. Start finishing with the queen mother's wisdom at the end. It's no mistake that in the Hebrew Bible, the next book in the Jewish Bible, the next book after Proverbs is the book of Ruth. Because now we have this wise female character come in. So when the scribes put together the Jewish Bible, that's where they put Ruth. Okay, The Greeks... What I was saying before, put Hebrews in with the books of wisdom. But the Hebrews originally were thinking there's something about this thread of Lady Wisdom's wisdom that manifests itself through the character Ruth. Or is it Esther? One of them. One of the chick's books, you know. Point is, Lady Wisdom, Solomon, and then God the Creator sharing wisdom. Four things from this opening passage I just want to share with you briefly today. Keys to doing life well. First one is this. Listen up! Listen up! Verse 5 says, listen, let the wise listen. Verse 8 says, listen, my son. Verse 33 says, whoever listens to me will live in safety and in ease. Chapter 2, verse 2 said, turn your ear to wisdom. If you want to do life well, one of the keys to doing life well is to listen well. Be a good listener. Turn your ear to God. Turn your ear to lady wisdom. They are always speaking. They are always speaking. As I say often around here, if you ask, well, how do I hear God's voice? Where do I hear the voice of Lady Wisdom? It's not three R's, it's the three S's. Okay? God is committed to speaking us by the Spirit. God's, uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. Holy Spirit within you, the voice of God himself. God will speak to you through the Spirit. God will speak to you through the Scriptures. Yeah, God, your word is a lamp to my feet light to my path, other way around, and he will speak to you through the saints, through other people. God will place other people in your life to share wisdom. And so here we have father sharing wisdom with his son. Listen to your mother. Listen to your father. 
get wisdom through other people. Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Habit number five is simply this. Seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. Seek first to be a good listener, to really listen before you then want to be understood and say your piece. Listen up. The world would be a much better place if more people were good listeners. By the way, you're listening really, really well. Number two piece of advice. Listen up. Number two is this. Cry out. Cry out. Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, If you call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, then you will find it. If you cry aloud. What does crying aloud look like? Help me understand. Anyone done that before? Give me an answer, Lord. I can't figure it out. Help. That's what crying aloud means. I don't need to yell, Tiffany. I don't need to yell. Cry aloud for understanding. How many of you have done that? Ah, good. Do more of it. God's not afraid of questions. God is not afraid of your questions. Cry aloud for understanding. Yes, he is the first to speak. Listen, because he's always talking. Listen, because Lady Wisdom is always talking. But sometimes you've got to take the initiative. We've got to take the initiative. I'm included. And cry out for understanding. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. Get on the front foot. If you don't understand something, for goodness sake, ask. Amen. A <laughs> couple of simple things I thought about this this week. One of the things that Nick Rescue said, he was here, is that he noticed we were genuinely a church of multiple generations. One of the things about being a church of multiple generations, and we saw it this morning, is there is wisdom, there is knowledge that other generations have that we just don't. Um, there is things that God has given to others that is not given to us. I was chatting with some of our more senior people in church in the last week or so and just talking about the dialogue of how difficult, how seldom it seems to happen that younger people in particular initiate conversation with older people. Now, in one sense, mature people, and this is what mature people do, will say, well, I'm mature, so I'll initiate conversation because that's what mature people do. But when we're surrounded by people who've got runs on the board, 50 years of marriage, success in raising children that are now adults, I wonder how many of us, and particularly those my generation or younger, initiate conversation cross-generationally. God has put, given us a multi-generational church and across the generations, there is different wisdom that can be shared. That was my first point. My second thought, I was thinking about this this week, about crying out about asking, is how often relational, unnecessary relational tension is created. Because when we don't ask, we're often left to assume. The more relationships you have, and the longer you have relationships with people, the more uncertainties will present themselves. 
What did that mean? I'm not quite sure about that. What really happened there? One of the best things you can do to clear away uncertainties is just to ask. How many false accusations, false conclusions come from false assumptions? And we all know what they say about what happens when you assume. I make an ass of me. I look stupid by thinking something that wasn't necessarily true. And I make an ass of you because unless you're assuming the best of people, which can be a good thing, if you assume the worst of people, you make them look stupid when maybe they weren't stupid at all. Yes, I did say ass. When we fail to ask, we're often left to assume. The word misunderstanding contains the word understanding. And one of the best ways to dismiss the miss is just by asking. It's just by asking. I was chatting with a couple in our church. I'm not sure they're here today, but fairly new to our church. I had a coffee with them this week. And they were just asking questions about history. And I said, you know one of the interesting things about our history? Going for now for 19 years, we've never actually had a church split. That's a funny thing to bring up. Never, and it's, you know, that's, that's fairly unique. I mean, that's a, I think that's a fairly decent sort of thing. Never really had, and I said, one of the possible reasons for that is because I believe, I'm under the assumption, I was not an assumption. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if there's one thing about our leadership group that I believe, I could be wrong, or you might differ with me, but I do believe our leadership group of all the things that they are, they are approachable. And it's okay when there's uncertainties or there's things you're not too sure about. They're actually approachable to be able to, it's okay to ask. And over 19 years, uh, I've certainly had some interesting questions asked of me. Some of you here in this room have presented them. Oh, by the way, what about this? No problem with that. If you don't cry aloud for understanding, you're often left just to assume to fill in the gaps yourself. And how many relational tensions in church, out of church, in businesses, relationships with your employees or employer, in your home, some of you family members, you've worked out, there's been arguments and tiffs and tension in your family for years and it's all because someone assumed something years ago. They didn't actually check. They didn't actually ask. They didn't cry aloud for understanding. And it led to a whole bunch of unnecessary tension and confusion. The first recorded words of Jesus were a question. It's okay to ask questions. But number one, listen up. And number two, cry out for understanding. Anyone said? Number three, slow down. Slow down. Chapter 1, it says, when sinful men entice you, when they say, come do this, come do this, come, they're swift to shed blood. He said, no, son, just stop. Think about it. Don't go with them. Slow down. Don't rush into things. Don't be hasty. Hasty decisions often lead to disaster. So just slow down. There are a number of verses in the book of Proverbs on haste. Here's a few of them, and they're all negative. 13 verse 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little 
will increase it. 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. 19.2, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. How much in our society, how much stuff on the news gets attention because there's a lot of emotion and very little knowledge. A lot of activism is a lot of emotion, a lot of enthusiasm. It's just not based on facts. Haste makes mistakes. Watch out. Be passionate about things. But make sure your passion is based on truth. Think before you post. Chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste will lead to poverty. Some of you, that's how you spend your money. Be careful. 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. 29, 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Whether it's your wealth or your words, whether it's your passions or your planning, the advice is simple. Just slow down. Slow down. There's this great video. It goes for about a minute. It's a clip of Denzel Washington, 21st century wisdom. And they asked, a reporter asked him, hey, you're in the news this week. You're a, you're a part of fake news. They'd said something about you. What do you think? What's your word on this? And Denzel replies, and he goes, you know the problem with you reporters? You want to be first. You are more interested in being first than you are in being right. You are more interested in posting something and being the first to say something, the first to share, the first to tag, the first to let something be known than you are in actually being accurate. Don't be first. Be right. Stop and slow down. First century historian, this is not an old problem. Tacitus, first century Roman historian said this, truth is confirmed by inspection and delay. Falsehood by haste and uncertainty. This is not a new problem to humans. Truth is confirmed by inspection and delay. Third piece of advice, just slow down. Don't draw conclusions hastily. Don't post things hastily. Don't comment. Don't haste. Just slow down and be certain. And everyone said, slow down, Chad. Slow down. Amen. Listen up. Cry out. Slow down. Lastly, give in. Give in. See what I did there? Out, up, down, in. See what I... Yeah. Just give in. Proverbs often has black and white contrast. That's often how Proverbs is written. And verse 7, the whole book really starts with this. Many of you, I heard you when I read this verse because you knew it. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise you. When sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. But when wisdom calls out, repent at her rebuke. Give in to her. Surrender to her. Listen to her. Don't just listen to wisdom. Don't just hear, but heed. Giving in is about saying, I'm humble enough to know I don't know it all. And other people know better than me. 
There's this, anyone that knows better than me, it's God. Anyone that knows better than me, it's Lady Wisdom. I'll submit to her. I'll give in to her. And this is one of the things that, again, Nick Reski, coming back to his message, shared about discipleship and being raising up. He said, at the end of the day, the heart issue of, of maturity is surrender. Go listen to that message again in March. The heart issue of all maturity is surrender because it comes from a humble place of saying, yeah, I've got room to grow. I've got space to move. And my heart is surrendered to something, someone that knows better than me, a surrendered heart, a heart that reveres God and therefore honours truth, a humble heart, humble heart that says, well, while that doesn't make sense to me, I submit to, the, I submit to it anyway because I know I can trust God. I know I can trust him. Now, I often say that Christianity um, is about acknowledging Jesus as Saviour and Lord. And as Saviour, it means he wants what's best for me. He loves me. We revel in that. We sing songs of that, his love for us. He wants what's best for me. But as Lord, I'm acknowledging he knows what's best for me. He knows better than me. And so acknowledging Jesus as Saviour and Lord is acknowledging he knows what is best. And just like we receive his love because there's nothing greater, there is nothing better than his love. Okay, There's no better love I can get. So also there's no one wiser. There's no one smarter than him. <laughs> there's no one smarter than me. And so I receive his smartness. I receive his insight as well. A humble heart, a surrendered heart, is a heart of good soil where God's seed can find root and prosper. So as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to submit yourself to the voice of Lady Wisdom as we endeavour to do life well. How many of you would like to do life well and are humble enough to say, I've got room in all the aspects and complexity of my life to do and to live and to demonstrate life Better. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.